quick thank you to our sponsors for making this podcast possible. They keep this show free to listen to. You know what I don't miss at all? The vicious week before my period. I always used to feel like I was walking in quicksand and craving the most unhealthy of foods. My sleep was always off and my moods were unpredictable. Now it's easier to manage PMS with EstroControl. Happy Mammoth, the company that created Hormone Harmony, is dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. They make no compromise when it comes to quality and it shows. And the biggest benefit, feeling like myself again. That's what women mention over and over in their reviews. And there are over 14,000 reviews of Hormone Harmony. For a limited time, you can get 15% off the entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use code PEACE at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code PEACE for 15% off today. I came to parenting with everything I learned in childhood, yelling, punishing, controlling, and shaming. After trying almost every method, I found connected parenting and was totally shocked when empathy, listening, doing away with rewards and consequences, and being a safe place actually worked. It moved the behaviors of my children and it felt good, especially with my very strong-willed and highly sensitive oldest daughter. This podcast was born out of the idea of sharing the message and helping parents find more peace in a modern world. Welcome to the Peace and Parenting Podcast. So glad you're here. Welcome to the Peace and Parenting Podcast. I'm Michelle, and I have a guest on who was so gracious enough to join us, and she's coming with a parenting question. So hello, Christina. Can you introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Christina. Um, I'm calling from the Pacific Northwest. I have three kiddos. They're nine, six, and three. And yeah. You're, you're, you're in it nine, six, and three. You're, you're in, you're in almost every stage. <laughs> I'm over here. We're busy. Simultaneously in all the stages you're in adolescence, really you're in school age and you're in preschool. I mean, um, toddlerdom still. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me what's your question. Let's dive in. Um, so my question is how to, um, regulate myself in a moment of overwhelm so I can actually come to my kids with connection in the moments when I feel triggered. Yeah, that's a good one. That's the one that we all should be asking ourselves. I think. <laughs> that's it's the hard. one I think that's what brought me to this work was my inability to regulate myself really when I when when push came to shove. Okay, let's get a little background first. So how long or are you doing connective parenting, this whole idea of connection? Yeah, so I found your podcast about a year and a half ago and just everything about it really resonated with me. I was already kind of on the more gentle parenting approach, but often found myself either like not holding boundaries in a kind way or just having a hard time knowing what to do when they were having a hard time. Mm -hmm. And so when I found your podcast and it really just kind of opened my eyes to like, I don't really have to do anything but be there for them. But then I found in certain situations, it was really hard for me to do that. Yeah. And so I've just been really, um, kind of plugging away at it for the past year and a half and just still find myself those sticking moments where I'm not fully able to do what I know I should be doing. Yeah, I get that. I think you're not alone. You're not alone because I'm right there with you and a lot of people. I think it's hard. It's hard to change, especially what was your house like growing up? Did you come from a conventionally 
parent, conventional yeah. parents? Yeah, definitely. It was kind of, um, kind of broken. My mom was alcoholic and, um, her and my dad fought a lot and then ended up getting divorced when I was, I think I was like seven mm-hmm. and, um, you know, everything just kind of spiraled from there. My dad was really the rock. My mom was just kind of in her own space. And so we ended up uh, spending most of the time with my dad. You and I have a similar, very similar. I was raised by my dad, alcoholic mom too. Yeah. Not fun. <laughs> no, but did your dad parent with punishments and rewards? Um, I wouldn't really say punishments, but he definitely did rewards. Um, he was more of like a permissive parent. Like if you just asked enough times, he would just kind of do whatever you wanted to, uh-huh. unfortunately. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, obviously he had the best intentions. Yeah, but of course. Yeah. yeah. Sweet guy. I mean, he's raising kids by himself. That's not easy. Oh yeah. So hard. Yeah. Really hard. Okay. And so are you using, I'm sorry, I just need to get, I need to get all my ducks in a row here. Are you using any punishments or rewards or consequences or threats or bribes or anything? You know, I really try not to, but I definitely feel like threats kind of make their way in and it's not really in a way like, I don't know how I would describe it. It's more like if we don't get like X done, then Y is not going to be able to happen. Not necessarily. I don't, I wouldn't really necessarily say it's like a real, I mean, it is a threat, but I don't try to use it as a threat. It's more like if we can't get this done, we literally can't do that. Like we can't get to, you know, whatever we're trying to get to if, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, um, so how long, so you've always been using kind of a little bit of, of threats here and there, I guess. Yeah. I feel like it just kind of creeps in and it's mostly when I just don't really know what else to do. Yeah. And you're probably dysregulated yourself and you're at your wit's end. And then they come out of this place of like, I'm, I'm done. I don't know what else to do. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then are you using the other connection pieces like special daily, special time and, you know, um, boundaries using empathy and play and those kinds of things? Yeah. I feel like I could do better with like coming with play in hard situations. But I feel like normally I'm just like not quite regulated enough myself to find that mm-hmm. in me. Yeah. Oh, um, I but get I that. do definitely do special time, um, especially with my younger two, my oldest daughter. It's a little harder. Like I'll like try to ask her and she's like, oh, like I'm in the middle of this right now. And I'm like, like now's a good time. Like I get that you're in the middle, but they're like distracted and playing or it's just us or, you know? Yeah. And so I feel like getting it in with her is a little more difficult. Um, she is a little more open to it. Like in the evening when we're like reading books before bed and stuff, sometimes I just don't want to stay in there for an extra 20 minutes at nine 30 at night. Yeah, I so, get it. But she's on the verge of adolescence. That's when they start to like, start to really share. You'll know, you'll notice from here on out, she's nine, right? Yeah. So she started adolescence probably a year ago or within the year that starts around eight or nine. You'll find that everything gets later now. The yeah. connection pieces, they want to stay out later. They're going to have friends. They're going to be going out later. It's like your life where you thought you could go to bed at nine o'clock at night for all these years. No, forget it. That is over. I'm yeah. sorry to say. So sorry She's to already say. up until like 10 or 1030, like yeah. reading in her room. And I'm like, why? Yeah, that's it. They become sleep already. <laughs> I know, but they they don't. They like the night. They really do. And they calm down. Then I think they start to really want to connect at those moments. So that's something to just keep in mind that that might be her, that might be her time. And I see that for sure. Cause my husband, um, he is away for work a lot. So a lot of the time it's just me. And um, my three-year-old has a really hard time at bedtime when he's gone. She just misses him so much that she just 
right at bedtime, it's just like a switch goes off. She's like, oh, wait, he's not here because that's normally when he would be home. Yeah. And so Sophie or my oldest will have a hard time because I can't get her to bed as easily. And then she's like, but this is my time with you. And I'm like, I know, like I'm yeah. trying to get her to go to bed. So that's, that's, that's one of the moments. Yeah. That's something to think about. So let's look at, talk about self-regulation. So I think there's two pieces to self-regulation. The way I see it is that one is if we get our kids more connected and doing better, we have fewer moments where we lose our crap right? Because if our kids are functioning better and they're more connected, then we take away probably 50% of the times when we would lose it. So we really want to make sure that the connection pieces are strong and that they're happening all the time. And we really want to get rid of that threats piece because especially for your nine-year-old and your five, the middle one's five, six, six. So they'll start to really, depending on their temperament, I don't know their temperament, but they could really start to rebel against that. And that could be one of the places where they're like, no, screw you. You're manipulating me. Like you're telling me that I can't do this unless you give me that, or I can't do this unless we finish this. And you're kind of, you're holding it over my head as, as a threat. And they won't necessarily say anything in the moment. They'll probably adhere because they need or want to do the thing that, that you're promising them to do, but they might hold it in their heart for later. That makes sense. So then when you ask them to brush their teeth, they're like, no, you threatened me. I'm not brushing my teeth. Not consciously, right? But subconsciously, it's creating this rift and a little tiny rift in your relationship. Yeah. So I'd say get rid of that if you can. And and the way in which we can get rid of it is, first of all, it doesn't really work. Long-term, it, it, it doesn't really work. And you can read the books before bed if you spend too much time in the bath. That's what, I don't know why I'm thinking of that. Because you are in control of bedtime. And if bedtime is 15 minutes later, I know we're tired but it's not worth putting that rift in your relationship for the extra 15 minutes to read the books just because they were dilly-dallying in the bath. I'm just saying as an example. That makes sense. Yeah. So I would try to get rid of the threat piece. I would really dive into the special time with your oldest because I don't know if most of your kerfuffles are with your oldest or not, but it will help your relationship a lot regardless, just getting that special time in with her as much as you can in the evenings. Unfortunately, it's, you know, here we go. It's like, we don't get to sleep. We don't get to do anything. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense though. So that piece. So then that's one of the parts of self-regulation. Now, the other part of self-regulation really is us, right? It's like, what is it? So where is it that you find yourself triggered up? You noticed? Yeah, I have. So like, um, kind of depends on the day. So sometimes they'll wake up and instantly just start bickering with each other. And I'm just like... We just woke up. Like, why is this instantly what we're doing? And I know like we've been apart all night. So like the connection's low in the morning. And so I'll try to be like, let's make breakfast together or let's like go read a book. But then it's like always like, well, I want to pick the book. And then they'll start fighting over which book or it's like, well, I want to stir that. And then they'll start fighting over who gets to stir stuff. So that sounds like not self-regulation, but more like sibling rivalry. Yeah, I could definitely see that for sure. So if we work on the sibling rivalry, now we have a triad of self-regulation, right? We've got the connection piece, we've got the sibling rivalry, and then we have your own self-regulation. So I think when we can itch away at some of these situations that are happening, then we have less opportunities, like I said, to lose our minds. So let's talk about the sibling rivalry, because maybe we could get some things in there that will help you guys just do better. Okay. Tell me about uh, an incident that normally happens between the kids. 
So let's see, between my nine-year-old and my six-year-old, they could be like in the middle of a game and the oldest one will just say like, well, I want to do this. And then the middle one will be like, no, I don't want to. And then my oldest will like freak out and like attack the middle one. Like physically attack her? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm like, okay. And those situations trigger me a lot because when I was younger, my brother used to attack me all the time, my older Mm -hmm. brother. Mm -hmm. And so in those situations, I definitely have a hard time just because it brings me back to then. And so I definitely, um, I bought this uh, sibling rivalry course that you offered. Um, Not the newest one, but the older one. one. That one's good, Um, yeah. And that kind of brought my attention to like why I'm so triggered in those moments was because of how my relationship with my sibling was. Yes. Um, But I definitely... Um, came in for a long time with like, why are you doing this? Like, what ha- Like, what? Like, you know, we shouldn't be attacking your brother or whatever. And so, I've definitely tried to kind of to try to come in more neutrally, but I do still struggle in those yeah. moments. Okay, so twofold. One thing I would would suggest is like really getting in and writing about your sibling relationship with your own brother. Okay, and really starting to think about like, what did what is it that you think was going on in your family? you know, in those moments, why was, was your, why do you think your brother was attacking you? Were you the favorite one? Was your dad always on your side and never taking your brother's side? Or was your brother hurting for some reason and taking it out on you? It wasn't your brother's fault, I guess is my point. And if we can see him differently and just really write about it a lot, yeah, and really internalize it, like your brother was just operating in his limited environment that he didn't, he didn't know. He didn't want to be to you. Yeah. And just if we can get you to, to see it that way, maybe it will get you to see your oldest as, as also not being in a a place where she's trying to be mean, right? She's just, she's having a hard time with her sister, period. Mm -hmm. And maybe some of this, you taking sides has exacerbated the sibling rivalry unknowingly. And have you been working on the sibling rivalry for a year or has this kind of been a more recent thing? Um, no, I would say for probably around a year, I've been trying to work on how I come to those situations. Yeah. Um, at first, it was, you know, pretty rocky. Uh, I feel like I'm doing better now to where I can kind of be like, what happened? But I still find it hard sometimes. They'll be so escalated that like, even while I'm trying to come in neutrally, there's one of them. They both kind of do it now. Um, we'll still be trying to like go at the other one. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Ugh. and it, sometimes I don't know like the right thing to do in those moments. So the one that's like so dysregulated that's going at the other one, I'll I'll take them to their room and try to just sit with them while they finish the tantrum that's happening. Good, good. I think that's the best thing you can do. I'd say it isn't always about like having the conversation and getting to the bottom of things. I think that is another thing. Like we really believe like we come into these sibling relationships or um, fights and we think, okay, how can I fix it? what happened? What's wrong? Who did this? Who did that? If you can just say, who cares? Who cares what happened? Because child A is sometimes wrong. Child B is sometimes wrong. This is a long relationship that's been going on for six years. Like there's no way that one person is better or has done more or is, you know, the, the, the kid that is always right. Right. They all hold some culpability in these fights. And often they're trying to get back at one another, right? So where your, you know, oldest one is mad at her that she won't do what she wanted her to do. Maybe she's getting her, she's mad at her because she's 
did that yesterday or because your oldest did what your little one wanted to do, you know, two hours ago and now she's not reciprocating. Right. We, we don't know the history of it. So I'd say when you really, when you get in there, the best you can do is try to keep them safe. Okay. And that's it. Just drop all the other expectations of who's right, who's wrong. And I wouldn't even get into the, the nuance of the fight. Okay. So really getting in and saying, okay, that's it. We're done. You guys can separate for now. It's okay. You know, let's just take a breather. Let's take a minute. And if that's all you end up doing in some of those fights, that's enough. You don't have to have the big discussion. Okay. I always kind of like, we have to figure out what happened and how to talk it out. And You know, I don't think so because especially because of their ages, they know, they know right from wrong. They know what they've done or what they haven't done. The most important thing is for them not to feel that you've chosen a side. Yeah. That you are creating a victim villain paradigm. And if your little one has always been the victim, she also might be trying to keep that victim status by getting overly upset when her older sister does something, right? And if you're old, if the older daughter has always, you know, been the villain, then she sometimes doesn't have anything to lose. So she's just going to go after her brother whenever, whenever she wants, because she's like, I'm going to be the villain anyways. I might as well just go for gusto. I'm going to hit him. That makes sense. So I would really try to stay super neutral and uninvolved in the nuance. Okay. Yeah, that will help a lot, I think. And if they are not, um, if they're not getting along at all, I wouldn't leave them alone too much. Yeah. I feel like they go through phases, like sometimes like they'll do great and they'll like, you know, be in this whole thing for like an hour and like, there's like barely any, like even raising of voices or anything. Like they're just like, great and then it's like out of nowhere all of a sudden something switches and then that's just like "Ah!" and I'm like okay yeah Yeah. I don't know what happened but I'm also like when they are playing well you know I'm doing the dishes or you know my own thing you know whatever it may be as long as you get in there quick enough to like help them not hurt each other and that's the only thing I worry about it's like we then they hurt each other then they feel worse Mm -hmm. and I would go to the person who is doing the hurting first almost and try to connect with them. But it sounds like you're doing that, which would likely be your older one. Sounds like, um, just to make, yeah. And just because so for so long, she's been the villain. Like if she gets the attention and the connection now, hopefully that will neutralize her idea about herself, that she isn't the villain, that she actually is just needing some connection. That makes sense. So if we can get rid of a little bit of the sibling rivalry, now we're chipping away at these little places where you're needing to really self-regulate. So, and I would really write a lot about your brother, if you can. I would, if you, or, or voice note or something, and just keep in mind, and I would find a mantra to say to yourself when there's a sibling rivalry, right? My oldest is not my brother. Yeah. I, my youngest is not me they are not going to end up with a really like have a relationship like we did. Yeah. Just to reassure yourself that that is not their reality. They have such a different, more beautiful reality with a mom who's super into trying to do the right thing. Really? Makes sense. They won't, maybe that will help you have some like calm and less fear when you come into these situations. Because when we come in with fear, then we do things that we don't necessarily want to do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
We are going to take a short break from our show to hear from our sponsors. Without their sponsorship, I wouldn't be able to bring you the Peace and Parenting podcast free of charge. So I'll see you back in just a few minutes. With Mother's Day around the corner, are you thinking about a truly special gift for your mom? Let me tell you about mylifeinabook.com. It's a unique service that turns your mom's life stories into a beautiful book. Pretty cool, right? Here's how it works. Every week, mylifeinabook.com will send her questions via email. These can be pre-written questions about her life or any custom questions you wish to ask. And then she can either type her responses or use their voice-to-text feature. And mylifeinabook.com compiles all of her responses into a beautiful keepsake book. And guess what? They can even create an audiobook using her voice recordings. It's like preserving her voice and her stories for eternity. This book becomes a legacy, something your future generations can treasure forever. Your mom's given you a lifetime of stories. This is your chance to give her a way to share them. I used mylifeinabook.com to compile my own stories to give to my daughters for Mother's Day. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use code PEACE at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com. Use code PEACE for 10% off today. This episode is sponsored by ByHeart. ByHeart features a patent protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. Their formula includes the most abundant protein, alpha-lac, found in breast milk, as well as lactoferrin, the number one protein found in colostrum. ByHeart is an easy-to-digest formula, which includes prebiotics and an 80-20 whey-to-casein ratio like an early breast milk, making it great for a newborn's digestive system. ByHeart is the only U.S.-made infant formula made with certified clean ingredients, including organic, grass-fed, whole milk, not skim. What it doesn't have is soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about ByHeart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast. Use code PEACE for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. Okay, let's get back to the show. All right. Now tell me another situation where you might be dysregulated. So um, bedtime with my three-year-old, because like I was mentioning, my um, nine-year-old really wants to do most of our connection when the other two are in bed. Um, My husband's away on work a lot. So um, I am home with them all the time. We homeschool. I'm a stay-at-home mom. So I'm just we're together. All kids, the time. kids, 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 kids. So by yeah. eight o'clock at night, you're like, I'm done. And my three-year-old has just a really hard time when he is away, which unfortunately is a lot. So she has a hard time at bedtime a lot. And I, part of it is I want to have that connection with my nine-year-old so bad that I feel like I am projecting that onto the three-year-old, like, just go get in bed. We need to go to bed. And then I end up kind of pushing her and then she starts pushing back, which, yeah. So I try not to do, and I really try to kind of, I try to come with empathy with her when she's coming out. But after like 20 minutes of being like, can you please just go to bed? I sometimes, not all the time, but I sometimes just really get dysregulated in that time. Yeah, that's hard. Did you sleep train her? (sighs) No, probably not really. Okay. She was doing really well where um, she was sleeping, like going to bed by herself. Like we could leave and within 10 minutes, like she would be in bed. And she does pretty good when my husband is home, but it's always when he's gone. We just have a really hard time. Does she nap? No. Okay, good. No. 
sometimes when there are three or four, I'm like, well, maybe the nap needs to go. Does she go to bed too early or you think she's tired? I think she's tired. Um, I feel like sometimes she actually ends up being too late. Yeah, while too I'm tired. To work with the other kids and she gets overtired. And so I feel like that might be part of it. Um, and the other hard part is that her and my middle share a room. And they could go to bed around the same time. Um, my um, my middle one, like, he's pretty good about bedtime. Like, really, whenever we put him to bed, he's just like, okay, and we'll go to bed. But I definitely think she kind of gets into that more overtired, overstimulated situation sometimes. So I think taking a deep breath around bedtime and saying like, it's going to be what it is. If I have to end up staying for a little while, staying up late with my oldest, that that's okay. Because I think if you, if she feels the pressure of you needing and wanting her to put, put her to bed, it might cause more upset with her. Yeah. Is she particular in like, she, you know, has to have the cover this way and has to have this many stuffies on her bed and, you know, the door open. And is she particular in that way? No. No. Okay. That's good. All right. So then I would, is your bedtime routine long or is it short? Is it? Um, I would say it's really more toward the longer side. We kind of start everything right after dinner. So probably around six, we'll be like, okay, like let's, we'll pick like one thing that we're going to start doing. So like, let's all go brush our teeth or like put on jammies. And for the younger one, we really try I mean, the other, the other two just kind of know like what we need to get done before reading. So they kind of just pick whatever order they want to do everything in. And then, um, we'll ask the three-year-old, you know, what do you want to do first? Like we need to put jammies on and brush our teeth. Like which one do you want to do? And then she'll just be like, no, not doing any of that. Yeah. Like, she doesn't want to go to bed. Yeah. She doesn't want to go to bed. And then I'll be like, okay, well, do you want to go potty or do you want to pick out your book first instead? And she'll just be like, nope. I wouldn't, I would maybe discontinue the choices. Oh, I would get rid of the choices because none of the choices are good in her mind, right? You're not, you're, it's not like you're giving chocolate cake or fish. You know right. what I mean? <laughs> you're She's giving like, you're two, really two fish <laughs> options is not, not a good choice. <laughs> choices work when it's like, Hey, do you want to go play in the pool or would you rather stay inside and read books? Right. Choices are only good that way because it's really like you're not giving her a choice of anything fun. She's not really getting to choose anything. Yeah. She's just choosing two bad things. Yeah. Like I'm still going to bed after this. Yes. Yes. I love it when people do it too because I'm like, no wonder the kid doesn't want to choose something. They're both terrible. But I think using play might work better. Okay. So why don't you institute like hide and go seek at that time or or wrestling or pillow fighting. You could do it as a family, you know, anything big, rigorous play where you guys can really get it out. And then I would send the two other kids on their own and I would play through every single chore with the baby. Okay. Like, oh man, I get those teeth. They're so dirty. You have sugar bugs in them. Let me see them. Oh my gosh. Are there sugar bugs on your toothbrush? Let me see that toothbrush. Ooh, we better put, we better clean that off and put some toothpaste on it. Can you play through the jammies? Let me see those beautiful jammies. I want to put it on. Let me put it on my little tiny foot over here. Doesn't it fit me? Can you play through every little thing with her? Because now it's connection, 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 connection. And guess what? She's going to want to do her bedtime routine because it's all connective. Yeah. That makes Instead sense. of just, you know, you're going to ask her 20 times, put her jammies on, then you're going to get mad and yell at her. Right. 
So if you can play through all of those, and then you can build up the connection, hopefully over a few days or a week or 10 days, she might feel better and be able to rest more with all of those connection pieces. Then you might do a little, like a little tiny 10 minute special time before you read her book. For a few days, it's going to feel harder because you're adding in all this stuff and it's different and whatever. But over time, I would hope after a couple of weeks, it will work better. Okay, that makes sense. Now you've hopefully eliminated your next trigger. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be great. So I think connection helps us eliminate some of our triggers where where we can. However, you're still going to have triggers, right? You're still going to get triggered when the sibling stuff happens, but we're going to really lean into what did it feel like? So when you go to journal, what did it feel like for you as a kid to, to you know, maybe not have parents who intervened in the right way? What do you wish your parents would have intervened with? What do you wish that would have looked like? And so really like trying to see the situation for really what it was, as opposed to just you were the victim. Gotcha. Because if you come in being the victim to your own sibling, you know, issues with your kids, that's not a good place to, to respond from. Right. So trying to get yourself out of being the victim. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And then there's also, you know, lots of other things. If you can't in the, you know, if in the moment you're just so beyond dysregulated, can you go to like four, four, four breathing? Like, can you breathe in for four, hold it for four, exhale for four, stay empty, empty for four. That will actually slow down your central nervous system. If you're like, these are like emergency moment things, right? Where you're, I'm going to yell, I'm going to threaten, I'm going to punish, I'm going to lose it. Can you go to breathing? Can you also walk away? Can you say, oh, I have to go potty. I'm, I got to go pee. I'm out of here. I got to, I'll be right back. Everybody. I've just got to go pee. Can you just say, okay, I know I'm at the brink. I'm out of here. I have to take myself out of here. Yeah. Because it's better than losing it. True. And finding a mantra, mm-hmm. like whatever mantra for whatever situation. My favorite one is Dr. Laura Markham's. She always says, this is not an emergency. And when I first learned that, I was like, oh my gosh, she's so right. But my body in those moments was telling me, this is an emergency. I have to fix it and I'm going to control and do whatever I can to fix it because I'm going into an emotional emergency. That's a good one. So just any any mantra like they're only kids or this will this too will pass or you know I can breathe through this. This is not the end of the world. These are only feelings. Whatever you can say to yourself in those moments. So those like little tiny tricks for the moments where it's like you know you're going to do the wrong thing. Right? So those could be helpful. Yeah. Okay. I think with these like three little kind of scenarios and things to do, I think you'll have an easier time if you can work on those, maybe have an easier time with kids that feel a little bit better, more connected, and then you'll have some tools to dive into your own triggers. What do you think? That sounds great. Okay, good. Yeah. Any questions or anything else? Um, let's see. I feel like I, oh, when I do special time, I feel like, like I was saying, my, my youngest two are really good about being like, I need special time. And we'll ask a lot. My son will literally ask all day long for special time. So sweet. It's very sweet until it's all day long. Yeah. Like, you, you, you don't have to do it all day long. Just can you, you can say no. by yourself for like 10 minutes so I yeah. can do the dishes. Like, yeah. Or make lunch or whatever. Um, anyways. But it's mostly um, 
when I am trying to do special time, there's always interruptions where I have to like stop the special time with the one kid because someone's coming in like um, either trying to do the special time with us or just has to have something at that exact moment right now. Mm-hmm. Have you been doing special time for a year? Yeah. Every day? Mm-hmm. Pretty much. Like there's been some times where it hasn't been every day, but it's most, most of the time. When they interrupt, what, what are the other kids doing when you're doing special time? Um, so I try to get them set up in some kind of activity. My oldest one's normally coloring or reading or doing something. She mostly stays out of the way when we're doing special time because it's normally something she doesn't want to play anyways. Yeah. Um, but it's the, the younger two. What they just constantly try to intervene with each other's special times. So it's the little two ones are inner are okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, the littlest one, she probably needs something pretty tantalizing to keep her out of there yeah yeah I wonder do you use tv at all or anything I mean we do a little bit but I feel like if I'm gonna turn the tv on they're all gonna watch it what about like a a kids podcast or a kids book on tape or something where it's like she has the headphones on and she's like really enthralled in it never tried that with her my oldest listens to audiobooks like all day long okay so maybe audio the two, the middle one could listen to an audiobook. Would he be into that? Maybe. I feel like he, um, he's not much of a sitter. Like he's kind of a, just like we're all, he's always like kind of going. Well, maybe it would be good for him to sit for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's grow that piece of him. Yeah. But maybe I would try to get something like that where it's like headphones on and listening to the podcast or listening to some sort of, you know, story on tape or they've got all those like cool kids apps, things they can listen to that where it's actually just a story. You don't have anything to look at. You're just listening to someone tell a story. Uh-huh. So I think it it needs to be something where they're really enthralled. Yeah. I think just being like, okay, go do blocks isn't going to be good enough. Right. And then when they do intervene, what, what is your response? Um, I normally try to just remind them like, hey, we're doing special time right now and we want to be respectful of each other's special time by not interrupting so that we're not teaching the other person that it's okay to interrupt special time. Yeah. And what do they respond to that? Um, sometimes, like sometimes it's just a simple reminder, like to my middle kid that's six, you know, I'll just be like, oh, we're doing special time. We don't want to interrupt special time. And he'll be like, oh, right. And he'll Do just you set him up beforehand and say, everybody, I'm doing special time with child A. Not really. It? Yeah. Like sometimes do when I do that, then they're like, well, I want special time. And then it becomes like this whole thing where everybody's like, wait, what? Why don't I get it right now? Okay. So then I think maybe what one of the problems might be is that we don't have like every day you're not saying, okay, today I'm doing special time with you at six. I'm doing special time with you at five. I'm doing special time with you at whatever. They need to know when it's happening so that they're not constantly awaiting it. Okay. I would tell them, put it in your schedule, make it part of the thing. And I would announce it. I would say, Hey, I'm going to go do special time with child A, everybody. Do you know? And everyone needs to know. Okay. If you're trying to sneak it in, they're going to try to sneak in too, because it's not like everyone's in the known. They're like, wait, what? Just like you said, they're gonna be like, wait, where's mine? When's mine coming? Am I sure mine's coming? Okay. That makes sense. So I would make sure everybody knows. Okay. Yeah. Cause I definitely would just kind of be like, oh, these kids are like doing something. How about we go do special time? <laughs> yes. But then I could see why they were like, wait, hold on. Nobody told us. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So I would make it more announced and more um, kind of uh, rigid, like 
this is when we're, you don't have to make it rigid every day at the same time, but more like, hey guys, I'm going to do special time with child A after lunch. I'm going to do you after bedtime and I'm going to do you, you know, after dinner. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, good. That might help a little bit. Then getting them involved in something that they're really engaged in will help too. And then one less trigger. Yeah, totally. Because that does, it gets like overwhelming and then it's like everybody is just like, Swirling around trying to get into your business. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like 20 minute special time ends up taking an hour because we keep having to stop. And totally. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Good. This should help a little bit. And these things take time too, Christina. Like it's not all going to, you're fine. It's not all going to get better right away. I think just like, you know, you've been doing this for a year. It just takes time. Does, yeah. yeah. I definitely have seen a big return though. And I'm glad that I found the podcast for sure. Oh, good. I'm so glad too. Yeah. What have you noticed with the kids? What are what are the differences? I feel like um, even though their relationships are still a little bit rocky, being able to come in more neutrally in most situations has helped. And I see my oldest really modeling behavior that she sees me doing with the younger two when she's having a hard time. Mm-hmm. And even to the point where she'll come to me when they're having a hard time sometimes and be like, I just want to punch him in the face right now. I'm, like, I'm glad you didn't. Thank you. Like, Thanks for telling me and not doing it. Like, yeah. That's great. I and love so I it. feel like that's really good. And I feel like my um, youngest is really gaining her emotional intelligence and she'll just like come in and she'll just be like, I am so frustrated right now. And I'm Sweet like, oh. girl. <laughs> Sweet girl. Good. Frustrated. You know, like, you're doing all this hard work for them. They're so lucky. Yes, they're doing great. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's they so are so lucky. Hard. Yeah, it's hard, but it's so worth it. It feels like, you know, it does feel good, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Does. Well, thank you, Christina, for joining me on the Peace and Parenting Podcast. I so very much appreciate it. So glad I got to be on. It's been amazing. Great. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.